Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. We're very thankful to have you here with us this morning. And today we would like to wish you a Merry Christmas. We are airing this program this year on December the 25th. So we'd like to wish you and your family and your loved ones a Merry Christmas and hope everyone has a very blessed and safe holiday. And it's our great blessing to bring this program to you every week, but especially this time, this day, to share God's Word 
with you as we meditate upon the birth of Jesus Christ, that the fact that Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh, that the word that was God in the beginning became flesh for the purpose of saving his people from their sins. And what a beautiful testimony of the gospel that the angel gave Joseph there in Matthew chapter one, that thou shalt bring forth the son and you shall call his name Jesus, which means savior, and he shall save his people from their sins. And we are glad to know that Jesus finished that testimony and that prophecy of the work that he would perform. He finished that on the cross and we are saved by God's sovereign grace. And what a blessing for us to know that and to meditate upon that today. So as you go throughout this Christmas season, the furtherance of the Christmas season, I pray that you will meditate upon the fact of the reality that Jesus was God, that he came into this world to die for our sins. It's not about some cute little nativity scene. It's about the sovereign God of this universe humbling himself and condescending to come and to die for our sins. What an amazing majesty of God's glory that is manifested in such a humble and a meek setting Jesus being born in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, in a very obscure place in Bethlehem of Judea. So, Merry Christmas to everyone. I'm very glad that part of your day is listening to us here on the program or following up later on a podcast. We're very thankful for those that listen in that way as well. Despite this being Christmas, we certainly hope that you will attend public worship this morning. There's no better day to worship and praise our God than meditating upon the birth of Jesus Christ. Christ. So in the midst of all the festivities that you have with your family, please go and find a church to worship with today. And if you don't have anywhere to go, come see us at Macedonia in Ackerman or Sulphur Springs in Caledonia. We'd love to have you come out and worship with us anytime, but especially today. And go to our website, gospel-of-grace.com. Go to Macedonia's website, macedonia-pbc.org, and we have a lot of content out there for you that we hope can be edifying and profitable. This morning, we would like to continue our series on Jesus Christ in the law, and we want to focus on Jesus Christ being our city of refuge. We have this structure in the Old Testament of the city of refuge that is to protect an innocent person against the avenger of blood, and that points us toward Jesus Christ, who is our city of refuge and we pray that God will bless our consideration of that this morning. So again, we wish you a Merry Christmas and we hope that you'll stay tuned with us today. We'll bring that message to you right after this hymn. This is my Father's world and to my
This is Elder David Wise here with you, and we would like to continue our consideration of Jesus Christ in the law. And now we'd like to begin digging into some of those particulars. And we'd invite you to turn to Numbers chapter 35. And this morning, we would like to consider together Christ as our city of refuge, a city of refuge. And we find here in Numbers 35 that there are 48 cities in all of the land of Judea that is allocated individually to tribes. Certain sections are given to individual tribes. And within those, there's 48 Levite cities, but six of those 48 cities were designated to be a city of refuge. And notice there are six cities of refuge that are noted in the Old Testament. And I'm sure if you studied the Bible very long, you've noted that the number six is the number of a man. We have that noted in the description of the beast in Revelation. 666 is the number of a man, but seven is the number of God. It's the number of perfection and completion. God rested on the seventh day because it was completed. It's the number Seven is always the number of completion and perfection in the Word of God. It kind of makes us wonder, why did God only appoint six cities of refuge? Well, I believe that that's pointing toward the seventh city of refuge being Christ, but particularly that seventh city of refuge being the city of our God, Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, which is the church. So I'll go ahead and let you know that's where we're going this morning, uh, looking at the six cities of refuge, but pointing toward that seventh city of refuge, which is the church and the kingdom of God. So here in Numbers 35, we have this introduction of the city of refuge. And as you look at the Old Testament, and especially if you look at laws related to murder, it is absolutely astounding the precision with which God describes how you deal with homicide. And in the American legal system, for the most part, we still follow the same pattern, which is you have murder one, which is premeditated murder. It's evident that you intended to do this. You planned it out. You executed it, but you planned it beforehand, premeditated. And in the American legal system, that is in some places worthy of capital punishment. And then you have murder two, which is not that you planned it, but you got in a fight, you hit them, you killed them, you murdered them, but you didn't necessarily plan to do it. Then we have manslaughter which is that you killed them, but you didn't intend to kill them. 
you just made a mistake and you acted in a negligent way and your negligence contributed to their passing away. And that's considered manslaughter. So there are different levels of degrees and different levels of punishments associated with those. But essentially, if you look at the Old Testament, God essentially laid that structure out thousands of thousands of years ago. The difference between premeditated murder an act of passion, and then manslaughter, that's all articulated. The difference in those is all articulated in the Levitical law. Well, another thing that's noted in there is just the reality that sometimes you may have been the contributing factor, but it was just an accident. I mean, think about today. You have a car wreck. Well, you don't need to be texting. If you're texting or something like that and being negligent, then you could be culpable. But if someone is fully attentive and they're paying attention to the road and then something bad happens and you have a wreck, well, you know, that's not your fault. It just happened. It just happened. So back in the day, there's an instance where someone could be the reason why someone died, but they did not have a previous grudge. They didn't have any anger with them and didn't have any previous arguments or anything. And if you just accidentally contributed to someone's death, there was a protection that if you flee to the city of refuge, you would be protected from the avenger of blood. You would be protected in the city of refuge from the avenger of blood. Because think about the family member of a one that, that has died. Well, they may not be very understanding that you were chopping wood and the ax fell off and you hit someone and that hit someone in the head they may not be as understanding that you weren't culpable. So in a heat of passion, that family member that is grieving could easily kill the person that's responsible. And the city of refuge is to protect that from happening. But number one, it had to be proven that this was an accident. Number one, when you go into to present yourself to this city of the Levites, the first thing that you had to do, this is in Joshua chapter 20 and verse 4, you have to confess what happened so the Levites can admit you into that city for protection. Now, obviously, if this just happened and you run up there and you tell them what happened, there comes a later time where that story is vetted. So, for example, if you ran up to a city of refuge and you said, please let me in, so-and-so has died, and I want to protect myself from the avenger of blood. Okay, well, what happened? Well, I was really upset with him, and he called me a bunch of names, and I hit him with this club, and he died. Well, he would not be granted admittance into the city of refuge. Now, it's certainly possible that he could lie about it, and there was a later vetting process to affirm that. But, number one, you had to meet the criteria of being a innocent party in this to protect yourself from the Avenger of Blood. But I believe it's very significant, again, as we're looking forward toward that seventh city of refuge being the church, that I think it is significant that there must be an honest confession to the Levites prior to admittance to the city of refuge. And I believe that is closely akin to an honest confession of Jesus Christ and the confession of your sins prior to admittance into the New Testament church, right? That you can't just say, oh, well, I'm, I'm still living in sin. I'm still hating my brother in my heart. I'm still committing adultery. I'm still doing all these things. No, the only way that you are afforded protection in the city of refuge, if you have an honest confession of the situation, right? And that is how you are admitted 
entrance into the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is to confess your sins and to proclaim publicly that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So it's also noted primarily in Joshua chapter 20 that there are six of these cities. Three of them are on the east of Jordan. If you remember, there are two and a half tribes that are on the east of Jordan, and there are three cities of refuge on the east of Jordan, and then three inside the promised land in the land of Canaan. The three in the east of Jordan are Bezer in the wilderness in the plain country of the Reubenites, Ramoth in Gilead of the Gadites, and Golan in Bashan, close to the tribe of Manasseh. And you probably remember some of these cities from other events in the Old Testament and current as well. Ramoth, Gilead, You've probably heard that before. Golan, you've probably heard today of the Golan Heights. That's a very contested area. So in the three on the east of Jordan are Bezer, Ramoth, Gilead, and Golan. And then the three in Canaan, the three inside the promised land, the three in the land of Canaan, are Kadesh in Galilee, in Mount Naphtali, Shechem in Mount Ephraim, and Hebron in the Mount of Judah. So you've probably heard of those as well, Kadesh, Shechem, and Hebron. And each of these words obviously have a Hebrew background and a Hebrew meaning, and I don't want to over-spiritualize those Hebrew meanings, but I do want to particularly note the Hebrew word Kadesh, which means a sanctum or a holy place. And that's what this was. It was a protection. It was a safety from the avenger of blood. And that's what the church is for us, right? This world that desires to hurt us, those that don't love the Lord. The city of refuge is a protection from that. And we enter that by honest confession. So then I think another thing that's very significant about the city of refuge is that it's noted in Numbers chapter 35 and in verse 25, that they would abide in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest. So the person that fleed to the city of refuge would have to remain in that city of refuge to be protected until the death of the high priest. Now, part of this, just in the Old Testament application, was very practical, right? I've watched enough true crime documentaries over the years that it's very evident that the emotional trauma of a loved one being killed does not go away very quickly. It does not go away within a year. It does not go away within a year or two. I've seen some of these that have come back and they got a new trial or new evidence or something, and or maybe they just came up for parole and someone was testifying to keep them in prison. And it's evident that the family members of those that have been slain that they are just as hurt and wounded by that 20 years later as they were in the initial trial. So this almost sounds a little bit unreasonable from our perspective. It's like, wow, you have this accidental death and you've got to stay in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest. You got to stay in the city of refuge for like 20 years. You can't go back home. Man, that sounds tough, you know. But remember, the family member is probably not going to get over it that quickly. So it's for their protection. But looking forward to the New Testament application, the death of the high priest should really be ringing your spiritual ears, right? Because <laughs> we know that Jesus Christ is our great high priest. And he entered in the holy place once to make sacrifice for sin. And that veil of the temple was rent in twain. He entered in the holiest of holies to offer his own blood of the lamb upon the mercy seat, upon the altar, to make a sacrifice for sin. And notice, it is after the death of the high priest. 
that this person was fully protected from the avenger of blood, and that's when they could return to their homeland. They stayed in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest, and then they could return to their homeland. Well, that certainly points us toward the death of our great high priest, doesn't it? It points us toward the death of Jesus Christ, that our great high priest suffered for our sins and shed his blood. And then because of that, now we have rightful entrance to return safely to our homeland in heaven right? That beautiful picture that the protected party would remain in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest. It's also worth noting that there was no protection in the city of refuge for a man who had hated their brothers in times past, and there was a time of vetting that. Now, that would indicate if you had 10 different run-ins with this person, and then you said it was an accident, and there were no witnesses, well, you know, people really shouldn't be convicted nowadays on circumstantial evidence, but you don't have a very good leg to stand on if he was like your worst enemy and you had 10 run-ins with him before and then all of a sudden you accidentally killed him. Well, the assumption is that it probably wasn't accidental and there was a period of time that that was to be vetted. So you were only allowed, and this is important, you were only allowed entrance and safety and protection in the city of refuge if you were repentant and if you were not truly an offender of murder, okay? So, pointing toward the New Testament application, looking for that seventh city of refuge, we have six city of refuges that are noted in the Old Testament, seven being the number of perfection and completion. We're looking for that seventh city of refuge, and I believe that we could say that that seventh city of refuge is Christ. It's God. And the real protection that we find in that city of refuge is in Mount Zion. It's in God's house. It's in God's kingdom. Psalm 46 and in verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, right? God is our refuge and a very present help in trouble. When you feel the avenger of blood coming after you, when you feel Satan, the accuser of the brethren, and the avenger of blood coming after you, where do you flee? Where do you flee? You flee to the city of refuge, right? You flee to Christ. You flee to the church for protection and for safety. God is our refuge. Hebrews chapter 6, and we'll just jump in here in verse 17. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, he might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that's set before us. So God is not just a city of refuge, but notice this language, fleeing for refuge. And that's what we do, right? We flee for refuge. We flee for protection and say, Lord, I'm in a great strait. I feel the temptations and, and the attempted devouring of Satan. I feel the avenger of blood coming after me. What protection and what safety do I have? I flee to the city of refuge. Notice also the people who are administering the city of refuge, if you will. Who are the people that are administering it? Well, the Levites. And the Levites are pointing toward the New Testament ministry, right? The, the New Testament ministry is there to protect you, to, to grant you admittance by public confession and baptism, grant you admittance into this New Testament kingdom. God has put something in place to protect you, and then what should be our response in a time of trouble? What should be our response? 
We flee for refuge. Don't try to solve your problems yourself. Don't try to think that you can outrun the devil. Don't think that you can fight and defend yourself against the avenger of blood. No, what is our response? We flee to Christ. We flee to the city of refuge and lay hold on the hope that is set before us. Verse 19, which hope we have is an anchor of the soul, that stable, strong anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entered into within the veil, wherefore the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And the book of Hebrews goes into great depth. And we're probably not gonna have time to look at everything that's in the book of Hebrews during our study of Christ and the law, but read that for yourself. All of these things are pointing toward Christ. And these Hebrews were being enticed to go back to the law. And he said, look, the law was for the purpose of pointing to Christ. Christ is better. You put too much value on the high priest. You put too much value on the Levitical high priest. Well, I wanna tell you about your great high priest that's after the order of Melchizedek, right? You put too much value on these burnt offerings. Well, I wanna tell you that those offerings were not taking away sin. They were pointing toward Christ as the offering, right? And that's all that is outlined in so much detail in the book of Hebrews. And we won't have time to go verse by verse in the book of Hebrews. But as we go through this, I would encourage you to please read the book of Hebrews yourself because so much of the law is explained in the book of Hebrews that it is pointing toward Christ. And you can find out here that Christ is our high priest. And remember, we remain in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest, and then we're admitted entrance back to our homeland. And it's by Jesus Christ. It's by the death of the high priest. It's by the Lamb of God going in the holiest of holies to make blood sacrifice on the mercy seat, on the Ark of the Covenant. It's by his work that we are protected from our sins. It's by his work that we have this great city of refuge to flee for protection. So child of God, don't neglect that. Don't try to solve your problems yourself. No, when you're in danger, where do you flee? Flee to Christ. Flee to the church. Flee to Mount Zion, the city of refuge. Flee for refuge because God is your refuge and strength. He is the seventh city of refuge of perfection and completion and rest. Remember, seven points toward the Sabbath day where Christ where God rested on the seventh day. And you don't have to be afraid of the avenger of blood. No, you can rest in that seventh city of refuge, right? Praise God for the death of the high priest that admits our entrance into heaven by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And praise God that he has given us this city of refuge to flee unto for protection and safety here in this world. We hope these thoughts have been edifying for you. If they have been, we thank God for that. Give him the glory. And we pray the Lord will bless you richly on this Lord's Day. God bless.
If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist radio broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonder.